We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Good evening. I hope you'll excuse me if I appear a trifle excited. We're only interested in one thing. Can you tell a story, Bob? Can you make us laugh? Can you make us cry? Can you make us want to break out? Enjoy us all. We move fast. Can you take it? No matter what you do now, you're still part of everything that's happening. Used to be in silent pictures. Used to be big. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. We need more heart in motion pictures. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? Just put your lips together and blow. Listen to me, Hatcher. You gotta tell him. I just wanna say one word to you. Just one word. Are you listening? The We're making another movie. This is the one I'll be remembered for. Welcome to the Sorted Cinema Podcast. This week we're going to be taking a look at 2012's Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Directed by John Hyams and written by Hyams, Doug Magnuson, and John Greenlock. Here's a clip. There's monsters in the house. Okay, I'm gonna check it out. The FBI has some questions for you. Have you ever seen this man? His name is Luke Devereaux. His prints were all over the crime scene. We live among them like ghosts, fighting our time. You're mine, you're now your own. We're brothers. We're one one. I can hear this voice telling me that I'm gonna kill him. If you go looking for Devereaux, they'll find you first. It's not safe here. Look out! I ain't killing you. Hello, soldier. All right, that was a clip from Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Bet you guys didn't think we were going to do this one. Hell yeah. (laughs) Directed by John Hyams. Uh, all right, so joining me to talk about this is Ricky D. What's up, Patrick? Leave it to a Canadian to pick this movie to review on July 4th and not, uh, I don't know, Jaws. <laughs> this, is, uh, this one came out of left field for me, which I was pleasantly surprised by. I like the, I like choices like that. Um, we'll get to my thoughts on the movie later. But the person who selected this film, let's hear his thoughts first. This is Simon Howell. What up, Patrick? Uh, you know... We've been covering a fair amount of relatively mainstream movies on the podcast lately, which I have no problem with, but uh, I like to take the chance to go a little weird if I can, and um, this movie is intensely weird. (laughs) Um, This is actually probably the most challenging movie I think I've picked since I got back to the podcast. Um, I I mean, not to spoil too much, but I know, Patrick, you're not a fan of this movie, and I'm actually glad there's someone here who's not a fan because this movie is 
and I mean no movie is for everyone, but this movie is genuinely not for everyone. This is a, um, a I mean it's best described as a horror action film. It is it has the intensity and in some cases the aesthetics of a horror film, uh, but it's also chock full of these um, like no holds barred, back to basics, hand to hand. Uh, combat sequences as well as several other types of action sequences all of which i think are handled with a lot of panache um but uh we're going to get into the premise and like where it fits in the whole universal soldier mythos and all that but um two re- the two main reasons i picked this one any new movie that i see where i'm like i've never seen anything like this before stays in my memory and i to my mind there is only one universal soldier day of reckoning even though there's like 10 universal soldiers uh ironically there is only one of this movie um and second of all um i i love movies that have uh on their face absurd premises or absurd mythologies absurd universes but they take them with the utmost seriousness and i love that about this movie this is such a committed um and no, there's no, there's not a moment of irony or wink, nudge, whatever. Um, John Hyams is absolutely committed to his vision of of showing this dark and twisted and um, logically consistent, I think, take on this mythology. He takes this the Unisol thing to its logical and horrible conclusion, and then I guess ends it. Uh, I mean, I know that he's talked about maybe doing another one, but for now, this is the end don't really see a way forward for them with certain actors they're dealing with. But uh, I don't know. I love this movie. It's, it's definitely not perfect. Um, I would, we can talk about the, the problems which are real, but um, I think if you're looking for a, an aesthetically distinct uh, action experience and you're not afraid of some NC 17 level violence, which by the way, this movie got an NC 17 for violence, which is fucking crazy. <laughs> um that that is weird which uh yeah it, it almost never happens uh there what? is a little bit of graphic sex as well but it's uh it was mainly for the violence anyway i've said my piece uh i think if anything that i've just said tempts you uh turn off this podcast right now go watch this insane movie and come back to me <laughs> i i don't know much about the. i saw universal soldier a long time ago so i can't say i know a whole lot about the universal soldier mythos but, but... I don't know, like, but I, this it's it's a movie that you can sort of pick up on. You can sort of get as long as you understand the premise of Universal Soldier. I, I'd never seen any. I mean, like, literally, yeah. As long as you understand the concept of like literally the the old Buffy Saint Marie song of the same name, like, there's really not a whole. You may be confused about like why is Dolph Lundgren here, like why is yeah. JCVD here, and but honestly, especially JCVD is being used in such a different capacity than he was even used in the previous films that. To be honest, watching the other movies just make you might might literally make you more confused than if you hadn't. One thing you should uh, before we like tempt people in going and watching this movie, you gave us a great warning, and I I, I was like, ah, it can't be that bad, but it is. <laughs> like, if you are prone to seizures, oh yes, do holy not shit, watch this movie. Like, it, it is. It's frankly irresponsible that the movie does not open <laughs> with uh, with a warning about for photosensitive viewers because I think there's at least three sequences of hard hard strobe effects uh made even more disturbing by having uh john Claude van damme's insane face um superimposed yeah. over them but we'll, we'll we'll get there yeah i've never i've never seen strobing that goes quite that hard before like it doesn't normally bother me but even i had to like 
look away for a second. I was like, oh my god. Even get even Gaspar Noé would find it a bit much. <laughs> uh, Rick, what about so? What did you think of this this movie? You had never seen it before, right? No, no, no. I've seen it before. I think I saw it the same day Simon saw it for the first time because the studio actually sent us Oscar screeners, Academy Award screeners for this film. Oh my god! It was yeah. more like end of the year consideration screeners. It wasn't really it, like it was on some people's ten best lists. It was. So yes. this is not like completely out of left field there. Yeah. Um. So the thing about this film is it's very similar in terms of the action to the previous film, which is directed by the same director, John Hyams. Um, that movie, I think, is better. It's regeneration. But what makes this movie different is tonally it's all over the place. Like, it opens like a straight-up horror film, like um, a home invasion film. You know, it's like, yeah. you're next, uh, the strangers, typical, a bunch of dudes invade a home, kill this dude's wife and kids. It's really violent, like super violent, super depressing. That's how the movie opens. This is also, from my understanding, the only film in the series that takes place in the actual U.S. of A. So the setting is different, and it's very open compared to previous films where they mm -hmm. do shoot a lot, a lot indoors and in crammed environments. And I do think that the camera work and the cinematography is better in this film because they are allowed to shoot in these open you know, like open environments, like for example, the the sporting goods store, like it's a fairly huge store. Yeah. Look, I don't think this is a great movie because of the dialogue, the screenplay. It makes no sense. I'm sorry. Like I've seen a lot of these films. I don't remember many of the films, but it makes no sense even from the story point of view uh, when you factor in the rules of this universe. I could not figure out what was happening. But if you like specifically martial arts films, if you're a huge fan of the John Wick series specifically for the fight sequences, you will like this movie because the fight sequences are incredible. Now, a while back, we reviewed Hard Boiled mm -hmm. and I went off about how much I love the one take sequence in that film and why, especially for its time, right? Filmed in the 90s. No CGI, how amazing it was, the way it was choreographed and staged and the directing, et cetera, et cetera. This movie has a one-take sequence, but you can tell it's faked. It's all done post-production. A lot of what makes the fight sequences great is all done in post. And so I'm watching a movie, and I'm not really wowed by the movie because I know it's all done in post-production. It's CGI. A guy's head explodes. It's clearly CGI. It's not old school you know makeup and effects and mm. maybe that's unfair of me to judge a movie like that but watching a movie i didn't have the same thrill watching this as i do watching say terminator 2 which i just watched this week because it turned 30 years old and that movie's fucking amazing Oof. i mean that's not really fair you're comparing a movie with a massive budget months and months to shoot uh you know to something that if you read anything about how these movies are made and you look at like how half the budget is going to pay JCBD's salary, and it's not a big budget. Um, well, it's not a big budget, but that's not my fault. I mean, I watched no, it's The not... Raid, which is released. I think The Raid Redemption was released the exact same year, and that movie has no CGI, and it's fucking brilliant. So I do think that this movie has five incredible fight sequences, but I do think that personally for me, a personal opinion here, because I know it's all done in post-production CGI, it takes away the wow of the moment. 
Now, there is an incredible fight sequence towards the end between uh, Scott Atkins and Dolph Lundgren, which I think might be the highlight of the film. I thought that was fantastic. It's really good. They are actually going at it. Like, this is, like, legit real. Unfortunately, the Jean-Claude Van Damme fight sequence was pretty cool, but I get the feeling that most of the fight, it wasn't actually JCVD. It was a stunt double. Probably, yeah. So that kind of sucked. So, like, you know, com- comparing it to the action movies we get nowadays, like The Raid and John Wick, and also comparing it to the previous films, tonally it's all over the place. And it doesn't fit tonally with the rest of the universe because it's so dire, serious. And maybe that's a good thing. Like, they're trying to do something different with the sequel. But I'm not even sure if a fan of Universal Soldier series would actually like the fact that they went so dark and depressing and kind of ventured into horror territory. But I'm not a huge fan of the series, so who am I to say? Well, Simon, have, how many of the, the movies in the series have you actually seen? Oh, like one and like one and three quarters. Like I went back and I watched uh, most of Regeneration for this. I didn't quite have time to finish it. It's definitely Regeneration is kind of the movie that you expect this to be if you don't know anything about it. Where it's like it's a sort of it's a much more straightforward DTV uh, action movie, right down to the like uh, to the um, you know ex-Soviet setting um, and but uh, the one thing it hasn't I mean the two things that movie has in common with this one is a the focus on martial arts and b the total lack of irony the, like the total self-seriousness which again I, I completely uh, completely roll with uh, the honestly the only thing that Rick, that Rick said that I actually that I take exception to is the idea that this makes less sense than say the John Wick movies I that to me to my mind both to, actually both tonally and uh, Plot-wise, the movie is totally internally consistent. I never said it makes less sense than a John Wick movie. I says I said it doesn't make much sense to me. Like I can't figure out what is going on in the movie, even though I've seen maybe two or three of the previous films. But mind you, I have a bad memory, so maybe I'm just not remembering what happened. I mean, I really I don't even. I, I don't even particularly care about the previous movies. I'm just talking about this movie on its own as a movie. The plot makes perfect sense within its own universe. Yeah, I, I could say I was able to follow it. I mean, it's confusing until you get further into the movie, but th- that's by design, of course. So then as things are revealed, you're obviously supposed to, you can put pieces together. It, I'm not sure that it's like the most brilliant plot ever constructed, and we've seen a plot similar to it, but for what it is, as far as the reveals go, like, I guess they, they get the beats right. Um, spoiler alert, I, I disagree with pretty much everything that's being said about this movie. <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, it's got, like, terrible fight scenes. It's incredibly ugly. I would say... I, I was going through my mind as, like, who is the most, like, to blame for this movie? I think the lead actor is atrocious. Uh, belongs off movies. Get him out of this industry. <laughs> uh, I would say the director is unimaginative, and I've seen sci-fi channel movies where there was better directing. Um... Yeah, I had I had nothing, <laughs> but, but like I was in, so I don't want to like sit here and mock the movie or anything like that. But most of the movie, I was trying to figure out what I was missing because that's usually my reaction when you know you're picking this movie because you liked it and you had rewatched it just to to verify that you liked it. Correct. And so I'm like, okay, what am I missing with this thing? I couldn't find anything. That's why I was really looking forward to this podcast. So I'm not going to like say too much on what I thought of this. You know, I'll, I'll answer the questions, although I may do them in reverse, um, like I mentioned. But but I just want to sort of hear you guys talk about it. That, that's oh, wait, wait. I have a question for you. I'm, yeah. So, because so, the thing is, okay, it goes back to what you said a few minutes ago. 
when it comes to the actual plot and you said it's not too confusing like here's the thing like the movie opens with that sequence the the uh, cold open it's like a home invasion film three dudes walk into the guy's house kill his wife and daughter in front of him beat him to a bloody uh, pulp right yes so that is used as a trigger throughout the whole entire film where he gets flashbacks and memories of his daughter and his wife specifically that scene because yes. they are murdered and that's sort his of like only his memory actually no right? it's not his only memory it's not He's... his only memory it's it's the most reoccurring memory yeah and it's it's the motivation and the trigger for him to seek out revenge oh that's right because he has the the gift he has the memory of the gift from his daughter or whatever too the birthday party right so what confused me in the movies i understand they're clones i understand that they injected this dude with memories and what makes them different is that he responds to emotion right more so than the rest of the clones but i didn't understand for example like he he's in the movie twice like he plays two characters he plays his clone and i didn't understand what the difference between that clone and this clone was and what the relationship was to i forget her name the actress like, I just, I found the whole thing confusing. And also, I think, and by the way, I do like this movie because I do think the fight sequences are, I do I do think the fight sequences are great and that was enough to hold my attention to keep me entertained. I'm not blown away by the film. The, the problem, I think, with the film, for me, maybe for most people, is I wasn't really emotionally invested in this character. And I think maybe it's because he's not a great actor. See, I, 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 this is one of those things where, like, I'm not going to argue with you. I don't think Scott Atkins deserves a fucking Best Actor trophy or whatever. But there's something compelling to me about watching a guy who is clearly uh, principally being hired for his for his ability to kick the shit out of people. Um, there's something kind of compelling about watching him be forced to, like, not play, like, multiple characters in the same scene. Um, and kind of just like, like, I don't know, there, there's a sense of, there's a sense of struggle and there's something kind of novel about his screen presence to me. I don't think he's traditionally a great actor, but I didn't mind watching him. And I, I didn't find, was I like emotionally invested? Well, probably not. Well, no, but, but the uh, movie wants you to be, that's my problem with the film. And that's why I'm saying it's so tonally different than the rest of the series because of that opening. And it's so incredibly emotional and violent. It wants you to sympathize and be emotionally invested in this character. And I do agree. He's great in action movies. And I can't wait to see him in John Wick. But it's the movie's fault. It's how it presents the character, how it opens up, sets us up. It sets the stage for this emotional journey. And that's why I find tonally it's it's weird when you compare it to the rest of the series. The first film is so incredibly campy. Yeah, but I don't care about the rest of the series. I know you don't care, but I'm tr- <laughs> we're here to discuss the film, and I'm trying to bring up why people might be turned off by the movie, regardless if I, you I, like it or not. I think his emotional journey is okay. I wouldn't say that the actor's up to conveying a whole lot. Like, he's just not good at it. Unless you consider the fact that he's a clone, I guess, which is why he's just, like, his eyes look dead. He's affectless and, in a lot, a lot of the time, yeah. Look, his, his performance reminded me of somebody doing, a, like, a, a person outside of the film industry really wanting to make a movie and doing a vanity project. Like, you can see these from the 80s, these home videos of people trying to make movies. Like, that, that was his performance to me. It was on that level of just, like, so bad this person does not know how to act. They never knew, known how to act. They never will know how to act. Um, and they do not belong on camera unless there is a stuntman, I guess. That, that, that's, that's my, I, I don't think I've seen a performance that bad in a, in a lead that wasn't in a, in a D movie. 
but um, but 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 if they don't want us to care about the character, why do we get constant flashbacks of his daughter? No, I, no, no, he's though they messed up. He's I, his memories. Are, that's a plot device, I think, more so than a, like uh, an emotional plea. Like they are sort of trying to toy with you, but they're also showing you that his memories are what is screwing. Like they're what's driving him forward. The whole thing is like they needed him to feel like he need he needed to get revenge. See, it's for me. It's not so much that I care about him. What I care about is, and I think the movie is quite good at this, it's building up this world, which you may or may not be familiar with, depending on whether or not you've seen any of the other films, wherein human life has no value because it is infinitely replicable. And like, and also because, you know, they're, they're creating these unisols to, to feel nothing, to be perfect killing machines. It's creating this, this moral universe, this, I dare say, noirish moral universe. Uh, and there is kind of a noir tinge to all these scenes of them hang, hiding out in seedy hotels, by the way. Um, sure, and the detective the, or whatever you want. Like, yeah, the, there's there is a bit of a detective aspect to this. And I, 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 I what, showing up. The real reason I love the movie, and it, it honestly, even the fight scenes, et cetera, are secondary to this. I love the way it builds this. Uh, it takes the universe of these films seriously. And it says, okay, if this is really the case, if we can just create perfect soldiers out of nothing, where like, I'm not, I won't get into spoiler territory right away, but like where someone can be killed who seems to be important uh, and they can just be replaced moments later. Um, that's kind of a horrifying reality. And I think that the way the movie brings that to life slowly over, the, I would say a little bit too slowly, but slowly over the course of the entire film, I think is actually really effective and totally, uh, totally coherent. Oh, Rick, earlier you had said you didn't understand the difference between the clones, right? Like, what they're, the difference between their motivation, like, what made them, what made one of them a better or more effective killer than the other? Look, I, I feel like I'm coming across as being negative here. I do like the film. I'm just not as blown away by it as Simon. I don't hate it like you do, Patrick. I think I'm in the middle because... For me, like I've watched so many martial arts films, and especially nowadays when you get the first John Wick come out around the same time and The Raid, not to mention all the great Donnie Yen films that get released per year. I mean, I think it's okay, but here's the thing. like, I don't think it needed to be so violent. I don't think we needed to have naked girls throughout the whole entire film. Like, I feel like even the action scenes, as good as they are, they're spoiled by CGI, fake blood, tits and ass, and unnecessary violence. And that kind of bugged me. And I, I've, been, I've, I've mentioned this to you guys before, too. Like, for some reason, over the past year, ever since the whole pandemic hit, I've been way more sensitive to violence in movies than ever before in my life. And I don't know why. So uh, I, I have a quick question because I, I, I don't remember there. This is another thing I wanted to ask you is, like, what, what violence in particular? Uh, see, the NC-17. I don't think I saw the NC-17 version of this then. Uh, Patrick, because... that's why you should have looked at the link I sent you. Because <laughs> I I thought this might happen. Because in, in, in Canada streaming, the version that's on Prime is yeah. the NC-17 cut. I verified this. But I'm okay. pretty sure in the States... Uh, that's not the cut that's uh, always no, readily available. You would have to go to YouTube to watch the NC-17 cut. So I think, uh, if anything, uh, Ricky, you should have seen the R-rated cut. You would have had an easier time. I mean, so yeah. Patrick, when... Okay, so there's there's five there's five main action scenes in this film. Like, I, maybe six, but five that I think are, you know, about, like, straight up, like, hand-to-hand -hand combat. Like, forget the car chase sequence, which, by the way, I didn't think was very good. But, you know, like, one of them takes place in the... What's the way to properly It's like term? a bordello. Thank you. It's so, a bordello specifically for unisols, it seems like. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
so in that in that in that scene, we do get a lot of nudity. So I don't know if you got the nudity. I'm, I'm I, I didn't get that much. The, the the main scene that had the nudity, I think, was the strip club. But uh, I, I didn't. There there wasn't even that much there. Like this oh is, no, in, in that scene, we saw straight up like sex. I saw an R-rated level of nudity. Let's put it that way. Yeah, okay. there's a little and more than that in the NC-17. Fight scene that takes place in a sporting goods store between um, Andrew, uh, not Andrew, sorry, Andre. Between, isn't it? Well, it's Pitbull. Yeah, it's on the the real dude's name is Andre Arlovsky. That's right. Yeah, as Magnus. What what is Scott Atkins' name in this movie again? I John. It's, it's John, John, right? Okay, so the the the, the fighting the fight scene that takes place between Pitbull and John in the sporting goods store. He takes off his head, decapitates him with the baseball bat. I'm sure you saw that. Yes. Okay. I'm not entirely sure what the difference is. I, I'm assuming it really comes down to the nudity and sex it's not just the sex it's uh i mean we don't need to get into this uh too much because you can literally just look up the difference but there is you know there's more blood spatter in the opening there's like just more in general uh in the nc-17 cut okay because even in the opening which you know i kind of like the opening because that that might have been we'll get to this later i guess if, we're, if i was going to pick a favorite scene although i'd rather pick my least favorite scene um that would have been the best because I, I was naive at this point to what the movie was going to be. <laughs> uh, but there was, it was shot in a way, especially looking back after knowing the story, like it, it, it always seemed off. And that's why I was suspicious from the very beginning that something was up because the, it just didn't seem right. And there are certain movies that do that well, where they get it so close to right that you sort of take it on faith, but there's something in the back of your mind saying that this wasn't, I'm not supposed to trust this. So I, I would say that, that that scene was handled pretty pretty skillfully. And I thought they included the right amount of blood to make it suspicious. Like, it was just a little too much for him to then show up in a coma a few weeks yeah. later or wake up from a coma. And his face looks fine. Like, he hasn't had the, the shit kicked out of him. And I was like, what is... The... Again, I wasn't questioning the movie at that point, but subconsciously I was. There was something off about all this. So it made sense completely, like... In, in the end but violence wise i i didn't see a whole lot that would have because you know rick it seems like you had a pretty adverse reaction to the violence um i didn't see a whole lot that was that made me cringe i don't remember seeing anything that made me cringe actually. i mean I, I i i would say that if if you uh feel at all the way rick does about screen violence holy shit don't watch this movie i mean i'm dead inside so nothing nothing touches me anymore. <laughs> but it's but, weird like i i normally like i do watch a lot of horror films and i watch a lot of films that have a lot of violent scenes and i don't know i i it didn't it didn't really bug me so much i'm just not entirely sure if it was necessary for them to go so far with some of the scenes mm -hmm. so yeah I, I don't know i don't really have much to say about the film i mean i just the before we do go to that i just want to impress upon people um yes this is a dtv style action film but it has the soul and the heart and the and the the vibe of a sci-fi horror film it really does like from beginning to end uh the dread never stops that's what kept me that's really what kept the movie in my mind more than the fight scenes it's the vibe the vibe is very specific we're at a point in film history where when people are making new genre movies uh, a lot of the time they're cobbling together pre-existing elements uh, and they're and if they're you know one way to do that is to take a bunch of stuff that's kind of tonally similar mash them all together to make a coherent thing mandy is a great example of that 
Um, but then you also have movies where you're pulling from a bunch of uh, dis seemingly disparate uh, elements uh, in a way that doesn't seem to fit and is like kind of maybe not challenging, but like feels kind of ungainly and has like a, a, a strange disorienting effect. And that's the feeling I get watching this. You know, Hyams is pulling from he was talking about being influenced by No Way and Hanukkah and people like that. He's pulling. There's an, at, you know, in the third act, it briefly turns into Apocalypse Now um, the settings change drastically. Um, and also I'd say there's a, there's a fairly major, um, you know, when we, when we do get the scene with John and John, you realize, oh wait, like I'm, I'm in a different, uh, if you're not familiar with the, with the mythos at least, or don't know that it's going to tie in. It's like, oh, we're shit. We're shifting genres again. We're in a, we're not in, we're not on level ground. And I love that feeling. I love the feeling that like, I'm watching something where the, where the rule book sort of been thrown out, even though technically on paper it's just a silly beat-em-up um and that's that's really what i'd like to impress upon people uh before we go to the to the questions is like i do think the movie is special and different in ways that we haven't i don't think we've really communicated very well yeah i i get what you're saying i i guess the the and this is all going to be subjective and this is why i don't want people to take you know it's better to recommend a movie to go see a movie than to have somebody tell you not to see a movie i would never do that i just i guess i saw everything that you find special about it i saw is uh more like a hack masquerade i guess is how i would say fair enough this to, this to me was like somebody it was like me in high school would have made this movie um i want to include all the like you mentioned the apocalypse now stuff i think i laughed out loud when i saw that it didn't impress me. It reminded me of a film student that wishes he was doing something cool, but can't do it <laughs> nearly as good as the professional can. Um, that's what this entire movie, all the like the little the subtle nods. That's what it retired like reminded me of. I I I don't know how John Hyams is still directing movies. Frankly, I guess he. But because I, I, I also tried to watch his movie alone and Simon, you had sort of told me that it wasn't like that great, but it was OK. Uh, I, I got through maybe about a half an hour of it before I was like, no, this guy's not for me. Like, I, I just thought it was completely silly um, and just ham ham fisted, which is again, that's a, that's a personal reaction. I guess I'd rather end uh, this. Uh, I, I wanted to get that in there, but I don't want to, like, discourage people. You know, my tastes are going to be different from yours are going to be different from everybody's right like i'm going to think things are great that other people are going to think are stupid so um i'd rather I, end on you simon like communicating your uh well i would also say you know the this movie tells you not necessarily it doesn't necessarily tell you what it is but it definitely shows you how far it's willing to go within the first five minutes so mm -hmm. and if you're not if you get to that if you get to the end of that and you're just like god i don't know if i can do a whole movie of this turn it off that's that's my advice yeah, that's. I would say that's pretty good. Uh, I would say you could even go a little bit further than that if you wanted to. Like, uh, you know, the whole the action scenes are going to be like that. They're going to be that have that level of intensity and stuff like that. But you know, you might be into the the story. Who who knows? I'm not sure how many what what kind of audience there was for the Universal Soldier movies. They do keep making them, so it they're, must be they're, 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 they're steady money makers. I get the impression. Yeah, for sure. I think they're going to end making the movies just because they can't get JCVD anymore. This to me is one of those movies where I watch for the first time and I enjoy it because, again, I do like the action sequences, the hand-to-hand -hand combat. But it's usually one of those movies where I will I will just want to watch that specific fight scene in the mm. future. I won't want to rewatch the entire film. The thing about this movie is that it has like five action scenes 
which lasts pretty long, like a good five to 10 minutes, if not more. Right. So a good chunk of the movie is made up of these action scenes. So I would imagine myself watching this movie maybe in the future with someone, but wanting to fast forward the movie in between those action scenes. That's, that's, that's the way I view this movie. So, Mm. uh, you know, I don't know if that's a good, uh, (laughs) that's not exactly a positive review, but it's also not necessarily negative. It's more like once I've seen it, it's kind of like, okay, I'm good. I just want I would love to see those action scenes again, but I can also just go to YouTube and watch those action scenes. Oh, there's one other last thing I need to say, which is if you watch that intro um, and you react as I did, which is to say, holy shit, they just had Jean-Claude Van Damme ice someone's family for apparently no reason. Um, that has a novelty value in itself, and we can talk a little bit more about this, this later, but I love the way this movie uses JCVD and Dolph Lundgren. Um, I think it's so smart, so suited to their respective quote unquote talents. No, talents. No, I shouldn't I shouldn't I shouldn't quote unquote that. Um, <laughs> and I think if you have any interest in them as movie stars and like as the in I don't know, there's some interesting meta stuff going on with these actors is all I'm trying to say. We'll get to it later. I, sh- okay. I should mention that I'm a huge fan of JCVD and I do love many of his movies. All right. Uh, with that, we should probably take a break. We'll come back. We'll do our five questions, maybe with a little bit of a twist. And uh, But before that, here's another clip from Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning. My brothers, let's not forget the moment of sickness. Ah! Our thoughts interrupted by unfamiliar voices. Daddy, there's monsters in the house. Ah! From this moment on, you're no longer a slave to the government. From this moment on, your mind is your own. From this moment on, you will seek vengeance on your oppressors. Freedom is yours. Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. We have come to the point in the podcast where we ask our five questions. Uh, we do like to stay positive with the first question. That could be a little difficult, but I, I guess maybe I'll try. Uh, but the other guys should be able to, to, to come through on this, no problem. Um, so let's start off. Let's kick things off. Simon, you're the one that picked this movie. Ooh. What is your favorite scene from Universal um, Soldier Day of Reckoning? I, you know what? I know Ricky's going to pick a fight scene uh, because it's the draw for him. But I have to go with the scene with the two Johns because it's so, again, it it embodies everything that I love about this movie. It's so committed to the bit. If you're gonna if you're gonna do a bit, commit to the bit, and this movie absolutely commits to the bit in that scene. Um, and I love that. I love that. As I mentioned, the the sort of smoky noirish setting. Um, I love that. Uh, they. I love the. I love what it does for the movie. I love that it's sort of right at the center. Uh, sort of a fulcrum sequence. Um, I don't know. That's actually 
that's where the movie th- does threaten to become like genuinely um, uh, emotionally engaging to me. And I think actually is, I shouldn't say threatens to be, I was, I was sort of moved at, at points of that scene uh, despite, or perhaps even because of Scott Adkins um, struggle to act, um, which, at, which, which sounds like uh, it sounds like I'm slamming it, but I'm really not. There's, there's something very interesting to me about his screen presence. And I wish I could say more about the, the mechanics of acting to be able to explain it, but I actually do like watching him act. Yeah, again, like, uh, some people just have it. They have, they have an it, and it works for some people. It is unexplainable yeah. uh, at times. Uh, he does not have it for me, but uh, obviously the producers of this movie saw something in him. And if he's going to be in the next John Wick, I did not know about that, by the way, but if he is going to be, they obviously see something in him as well beyond his physical capabilities. Um. Do you remember Ray Parks, the guy that played Darth Maul in uh... Ray Park? Yeah, Ray Park. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, that to me that was another example. Like this is a guy that great as a stuntman. Don't ever have him utter a line in a movie. Um, I I couldn't. It was a you know I just couldn't stand watching him. Uh, was not a fan. Let's put it that way of his actual acting. So this to me is where Adkins is. Um, that scene is an interesting one. I mean, it definitely it's the it's the biggest it's the big revelatory scene. It's the scene where you find a, a bunch of stuff out. It's the scene where things that you may have been suspicious of are finally confirmed. And uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. <laughs> I don't know how else to to go across it. Uh, Rick, what about you? What is your favorite scene? Are you gonna Are you gonna validate Simon by picking a fight scene? Well, yeah. I mean, what else am I going to do? I, I think the I think like I think of the five big action set pieces. My favorite is most likely the one between the fight scene between Scott Atkins and Dolph Lundgren, for 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 many reasons. Number one, it's because Dolph Lundgren can still kick ass. He's yeah. still in shape. He's huge. He's mm-hmm. he's an icon. Of most likely drama. roided out, but we're not going to think about that. Yeah. So, and I do like the fact that of all the fight scenes, it is the one I know. I I know I just said earlier earlier in the podcast. I like the fact that like a lot of the fight scenes are out in the open, and this is more of in a crammed room filled full with of weapons, a ton of weapons. <laughs> but I like how they have access to the weapons, and they do fire some guns, but they're forced to at the end of the day use like a huge, uh, well, a knife and um, a machete. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I, I really do think that this is my favorite scene. Is it the best scene in the film? I mean, maybe not, but um, I, I would have picked a Jean-Claude Van Damme sequence, but I don't know. Can it, I just it's, mention, it's uh, I, I read a review that references Dolph Lundgren in this movie as being um, creepily chipper. Like, he seems to be in a slightly different movie from everyone else, and I kind of like that also. Like, he's He's sort of always cordoned off and he's always he always seems to be in kind of he seems to be happy to be there, which is like kind of kind of a weird look for this movie. And it adds to the weirdness. He's definitely the only one in a good mood. No <laughs> yeah, about that. he loves this shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So I think I already said my if I had to pick a favorite scene and, you know. You'd that go with the opening. Is, that word is loaded. I'd go with the the opener, yeah. I'm I'm not a fan of the strobe effect that he uses for his flashbacks. I'm really not a fan of the strobe effect that he uses for the um, the sort of hallucination 
moments. Uh, I hate strobe in movies. <laughs> I, I don't know why anybody puts it in movies, period. I don't have like, you know, I can't, I'm not affected by it other than I just don't like it. Although I, I did say like in this, I had to turn it turn away a couple of times just briefly from those because they're, they're just relentless. Um, those hallucinations. Su- but, such was the power of the movie that you could not look at it directly. Just so we don't make the podcast too long, I'm just going to skip ahead to the next question and say that the thing I would change is remove the strobe, specifically what you just said, Patrick. The strobe, when he starts to, his brain starts to get triggered, you know, they have that little like visual effect. Like, I understand it's a low budget film, but it's just not pleasant to watch that strobe. And it happens like, multiple times yes it, that's the other thing it's not like you just get through it once i can't imagine seeing that on a big screen i feel like everybody would have regardless of whether you're susceptible mm. we all would have been lying on the floor at that point i th- i think the um the reason i don't mind the strobe so much is because it's a great way to my mind it's a great way to um the movie kind of uses jcbd's weird old man face which is just like the same as his old face but just older and weirder um, it kind of uses uh, his face in a mesmeric uh, way as as it, it sort of turns it into iconography that haunts the movie. Um, and the strobe helps with that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just think that the way that the film uses I, you're right, uh, Patrick. Uh, sorry, Ricky, to be disappointed that there we don't really get a full on JCBD fight scene where it's clearly him. But. I still think the way that they use his physicality, his face, and also our associations with him, um, they kind of use those associations against us and to disorient us. And I, I think that that's uh, one of my favorite things about the movie. And the strobe kind of helps with that. To be fair to JCVD, I don't think he could just like really pull off the fight sequence that they wanted him to do because he's so old. But for that being said, if you wouldn't change the strobe, what would you change? Uh, I would, the, the editing should be tighter. Uh, especially I would say like the um, movie could be 25 minutes shorter. I think, I don't know. I wouldn't go as far as 25 minutes, but definitely some of the more languorous sequences, especially near the end when like, we kind of know everything that's happening. Like the plot has been resolved and we kind of, he kind of lingers in that, uh, hopeless emotional space at the end. I think, I think it's good to linger there somewhat, but I think it lingers longer than it has to. Okay, I'm bad at math here. The movie is one hour and 54 minutes long. I think this movie could be easily an hour and a half. So that's roughly 25 minutes that you're shaving off, in my opinion, that you should. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but I I agree that it could be shorter. For sure. No question. It should be. There are scenes that could be, I mean, cut or or, or trimmed for sure. Um, All right. MVP, Simon. I mean, got to have one. No, and it's got to be Hyams. I mean, who the fuck else would even think to make, like, t- uh, I-, I was reading an interview with him where he was talking, he used to be a documentarian, uh, sort of what he fell into first. And um, when he started to make direct-to-video action films, his uh, his agent dropped him uh, because he didn't want to be associated with that stuff. And Really? Yeah, no, and like, you, you know, he's working in a medium that uh, didn't, uh, that didn't command any respect at all and now com- commands some, and he's a big part of that. Um, and uh, I don't know. I think it's it's his gonzo weird vision uh, that he uh, follows, whether you like it or not. So I think what he takes the bra- he takes the the, the, res- the responsibility or the praise, however you see it. By the way, he directed the documentary The Smashing Machine, which 
I think for some reason we reviewed on this very podcast really way back into it, it was released in 2002. And for some reason, I think we reviewed it around 2000 and like maybe maybe we reviewed it with this film for all I know. I don't know. But that was a very good documentary. It's about the MMA um, fighter Mark Kerr, I think is the name. So anyways, just just saying. Uh, well, Rick, who is your MVP then? Oh, man, I don't know. Like. Like, again, I do like the fight scenes. I, I think this movie's okay. I don't hate it like you do, but I'm not crazy about it. And I think the reason why, um, I mean, like, I like it for the fight scenes. And that involves many people. It involves Andre Orlovsky and Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme and Scott Atkins. And, of course, the director and maybe the fight choreographer, if there is any. So... I guess if I had to choose someone, I'm going to pick Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> because, oh, fair enough. Because I don't pick. know. Like, I, I feel like, you know what you said, Pat, um, Simon, like how he feels like he's in a different movie or he's acting for a different movie because he's like actually having a lot of fun in the film. And every time he's on screen, which is, you know, he's not on screen very often. He's really like, only in like three sequences. Three scenes, but he's there. When he's there, I find the movie comes to life. Like, I think I think the problem I had with the film, Simon, is that maybe I just did not remember how dark and twisted and dire and depressing it is and bleak. It's all and of those things. It's all of those things. And I went in thinking it was going to be like some really fun, you know, action movie. And I had seen it before, but you know, like it's I don't I didn't remember you know I just yeah. remember remember we were talking about it on Slack I'm like yeah is this the movie with like a lot of strobe lights you're like yeah I'm like okay but I get confused <laughs> with all these movies because there's like a bunch it's of that movie yeah and there's a bunch of these movies and so sometimes you kind of you know what the problem is is sometimes you watch a lot of these films especially around the Fantasia Film Festival in mm-hmm. like all in one week and it all becomes a blur you're like wait which one is that like which martial arts film is that like I saw 10 of them that week so I but like when he's on screen and I think that's why I would prefer the movie to not take itself so seriously and be like the previous films, because I think that if it had more of an uplifting fun vibe and you still had those fight sequences, I think I would like the movie a yeah. lot. More. Well, and I, th- I think that's why you prefer regeneration, because it's not also for sure. But it's also why I prefer a movie like John Wick, too. I mean, yeah. like you got this charismatic lead. You got like a great supporting cast. There's always they're, they're always not taking themselves too seriously. There's like jokes thrown in left and right i know there's a bigger budget they get more creative with the fight scenes like the car chase scene in this movie is just bare bones it's like i'm not even entirely sure if they should have even have attempted to do a car chase scene because the, the flip's pretty good though the flip is okay yes but that's pretty much it they were able to get that bridge closed down so they just shot the entire chase on the never-ending bridge Hell I don't yeah. know if you guys picked up on that, but <laughs> the bridge goes on for like miles and miles. That, I, I, I didn't notice bridge. that, but I'm going to go back and rewatch because that actually rules. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh God, how long can they make this go? How long before we actually get to a new location? <laughs> <laughs> but Ricky, I'm 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 glad you I'm glad you made those comments because I think it really clarifies for me that like again, I I made very clear at the start of the show that this movie is like quite not an easy one to talk about and I think you've elucidated the exact the exact point of difference for many people, which is that if if you're going in expecting like a silly DTV fun action film, I think you will be disappointed and you'll be confused and possibly even upset. Look, um, back in, back in the day we did a two-part special dedicated to Jean-Claude Van Damme. It was around the time that they released the movie JCVD and we reviewed I think 8 if not 9 of his movies. 
So I'm a huge fan of JCVD. But, you know, like I like the movies like Street Fighter. I mean, even though it's not a great film, I like Time Cop. I I like Bloodsport. Like, I love his movies. So I do like these kind of movies, but those movies aren't as dark as this film. No, of course. This is, that's why, again, this is the reason I, I prize this movie is because it is totally... Like, I have not seen another movie like this one. I mean, I've, again, I've seen other movies with fight scenes. I've seen other action horror films. Actually, not that many. I'm just going to throw this out there. People should make more action horror hybrid films. They don't make them enough. Yeah, for me, I, I want to clarify something, too. I didn't have it such an adverse, even though I clearly don't like this movie. It's more from a, uh, a distance. I didn't have this adverse reaction where I couldn't stand this movie or I was scoffing at it or yelling out loud the entire time. I, I think I said it already. Like this is this is like to me, it's it's C movie territory. Not even hold B on a second. Movie. This was direct to video, right? I mean, it didn't. I don't think it had I, any theatrical I, run. I think it might have had a small, maybe it got a small release or something. No, probably not. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, so I, but it's not something that somebody should go in thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna this movie's just gonna, I'm gonna be angry at this thing. Like that's highly unlikely. Yeah. I mean, I think that the main thing people will recoil against is simply the violence and how uh, it's and it's not like it's not fun action movie violence. It's like horror movie violence. We I mean, we, we literally we haven't even talked about the fucking axe fight. Uh, shout out to uh, Andre Arlovsky, by the way, who plays Magnus, who I don't think speaks for the entire movie. And that's totally fine. <laughs> um. Wait, is his name uh, Magnus or Pitbull? Magnus in the film, it's it's Magnus, according to Wikipedia. Uh, which suits him just fine. Or maybe um, Pitbull was from the movie before. But it's yeah, he was playing a different character in the previous film. Um, but uh, you know, this you know, this is the kind of movie where there's a fight scene where people lose fingers and lose parts of their parts of their feet. They do regrow them thanks to being unisols, but like you don't know that when it happens, or at least I didn't. No, but I, again, this must be where the, the NC-17 differs greatly from the R. Because for me, I, I just didn't... There's uh, for, And for anybody out there worried about the violence, there was nothing in the R version that I thought of as extraordinary. I can't even remember any of the violence. That's how that's how little of it, it there is, or how unmemorable the violence in the R version is. So maybe in the NC-17, they really went all out. But movies like Bone Tomahawk like make me cringe more than a movie like this. Um like this movie has nothing like that movie had the R-rated version of this movie, I should say. So I wonder, like, if I would have enjoyed this more on a more primal level if I saw the NC-17 version because I do like that stuff. Sorry, did you see this when you saw the movie? Did you see the girl get shot in the head and the wife? Uh yeah, yep. But it was so computer generated that to me, and I knew it was going to happen too. Like, so I, I was prepared for it. It wasn't like shocking to me that it, that it happened. Uh, you could you could see it coming. And I knew they were going to try to start the movie off with, you know, a bang, no pun intended. Um, and so I, I expected I expected the kid to be executed. My only question was, is he going to execute her on camera or off camera? And he, he did it on camera. And so I was like, okay. I mean, that, that again is why I at least sort of like that opening scene, if he could just have cut the strobing. You know what I hate it. about the opening scene? The fact that the girl, who looks like she's maybe 12 years old, is not smart enough to know that there that there are three intruders in her house. She actually thinks they're fucking yeah. monsters. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, Do what, better, what kid. What kind of kid you have <laughs> that she doesn't but know again, that these are that... three people breaking into your house? It makes no sense. But Rick, that's just part of the whole, there's something not right here. Well, I know, I know, because later it's explained because they're just, like, implanted memories. But I'm just she's saying. She's not it's... real. Yeah. 
I like stuff like that where you you think for a second maybe you're watching and you're like this is complete bullshit this is not realistic and then you find out later like oh that wasn't realistic um you feel like you got tricked you got tricked by the filmmakers they 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 pulled a fast one on you they made you think that their movie was dumb and then it turns out that you were the dumb one um now I'm not saying that happened for me through the entire movie but it did happen with that one little moment so I, I like the opening for that if I if I was going to like anything in this. Uh, no MVP for me. I do want to talk about the cinematography. Do you guys like the look of this movie? Because for me, that might have been the 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 worst offender. It's the opposite would, of the MVP. I would say that if you recoil against like, there's a reason that some people have compared this to late to like. Or even saying it sort of presages the look of like some certain like late digital Lynch. Um, this is extremely digital. And if you have a hard time with that, you are going to have a hard time with this movie, period. I also just thought the color scheme was incredibly ugly. And I get that they were going, it does take on a color scheme that a lot of horror movies, like less, you know, B, B horror movies have had as of late, that sort of brownish, grayish, everything's desaturated, um, sort of the greenish hue as well. It's almost like somebody puked on the lens and the, yeah. the, the, the entire world is filtered through that. That, that's become a very popular look in low-budget movies. I personally think it's just a really, really ugly and off-putting look. Even in a movie like this that's trying to portray a world that is that way, I don't find it... I, I, I just don't find it appealing from a, uh, I guess, from an audience perspective. Like, I that's don't totally fair. I watching that for two hours. So when you're asking about the look of the film, like if you're referring to the lighting, I don't think the cinematographer did a good job because I'm not a fan of the lighting and the lights he uses. You can actually see a lot of the lights in frame, like the whole entire film. You see the lights that they're using to light up the scene. It's so weird. He has, um, I forget what I forget what you call them. Those, uh, well, he has the neon lights, but he also has those really annoying lights that you get in work offices. What are they fluorescent called lights. again? Fluorescent. fluorescent lights. Thank you. He get, there's a lot of fluorescent. Like there's like I'm I'm telling you I'm watching I'm watching the actual um, what do you call it the uh, the one take like the fake one take, mm -hmm. and it's so bad like the lighting is so bad that you see all of the lights set up by the cinematographer throughout the entire scene because there's no way they could have actually filmed the scene, and have it lit so we the audience can actually see what's going on unless they actually had the lights in camera like in frame like it's so so bad so i totally agree with patrick the lighting is not good in this film i do like the camera work because this is where we might disagree but i you know given the fact that they clearly choreographed the fight scenes the camera operator does a really good job of staying with the two actors and the action like and i'm not referring to the one take because that's clearly like you know it's it's all mostly fake and whatever but but no like i mean they do a good job sticking with the action of the fight scenes, but the lighting is bad. The um, I I agree with you, Ricky. That like I think of the major action sequences, the 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 fake oneer is easily the least compelling. Um, I think that the the fighting the, the 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 I would say if I had to rank them, I think the fight in the sport in the sporting goods store is probably my favorite, just because it's I love how bright and open it is. I love how they use the space and just absolutely fucking brutalize each other with those very real seeming uh heavy heavy objects um and of course the capper is uh is I, I i love the capper of not just him uh fucking baseball batting the top of this motherfucker's head off but also just the horrified reactions of everyone behind them well simon is, i think 
I think the, the the thing, the advantage of that scene is they have the sunlight because yeah. the actual sporting store like has huge windows. Like the entire front of the store is just all windows. So you have the benefit of having the sunlight come and light up your, your scene. I still don't think it's well lit to be honest, but I do like that scene. It's, it might be the best scene in the film, but it's not my favorite because it doesn't have Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> That's fair enough. And I also, I love, I don't know. I, I think the ax fight is really good. I love the Dolph Lundgren fight. The J I, 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 we we should also mention something that's kind of funny about the JCVD scene at the end, which is that they they did the clever thing of um they have him in a sort of camouflage that's sort of half white face, half black face, which is both, to be honest, very unsettling and also helps to I assume disguise the fact that in many of those shots it's not him. Um so so I read somewhere that yes, it's, it was to help disguise him because in previous films, what they would do is they just have the silhouettes of two guys fighting. Mm. Um, so they wanted to change things up, but also Scott Atkins apparently hurt himself. So they couldn't actually like finish the fight scene the way they wanted to finish the fight scene. Oh, really? It, that makes I sense. I think he tore his ligament or something. F. Also, according to the trivia on Internet Movie Database, which we don't usually read on the show because anyone could just go and read it themselves, but. Uh, I do think it's interesting how Jean-Claude Van Damme did not want to lose the fight scene to Scott Atkins and mm. only gave in and agreed to it at the very last minute. And the even then, the, it. even then the way it staged, like it feels like a capitulation to him a little bit because he doesn't really lose. Like he gives himself up. He, yeah. He kind of like, he gets to a certain point and he's like, uh, I am tired <laughs> or whatever. I can't do his fucking accent. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Uh, I, I like know. how you brought up the comparison to Apocalypse Now because I did not like that that part of the film, but I don't know. It was just weird. Like, it, I don't know if it was a homage or maybe the boat had to be an homage. Yeah, no question. I mean, the whole thing had a little bit of that going on anyway, which is fine. I just thought the boat is what made me actually laugh. I was like, okay, now you're just making it literal. Well, I I did kind of it it, it was kind of a, a fun payoff to what what's the name of the of Marlon Brando's character in Apocalypse Now? Kurtz. I'm gonna, Kurtz. Uh, I kind of loved the idea of JCVD as Kurtz because yes. he does now kind of have that weird uh, gr screen presence that it, like someone like a Brando would have, where you're so familiar with how they look, you're so familiar with like their what 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 they normally bring to the table that seeing that seeing him in this other context is super weird like having having your movie open with jcvd doing like multiple homicides is like a really interesting way to use that actor and like as much as the apocalypse now thing may seem kind of tacked on and strange i think it is sort of a sort of an appropriate payoff to be fair i would have actually rather they leaned into it from a story uh, perspective a little bit more as opposed to just like throwing in some you know obligatory shots here and there like reminders some cues i actually think that he would make a good kurtz in 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 almost this same story <clears throat> you know using the clones instead of the military right how he's become disillusioned with all mm. of that stuff like disillusioned with the program i think it could have been he's gone rogue like that's, the elements are already there they clearly did take inspiration from the movie in their story i just wish they would have leaned a little more into that craziness that's fair um, and that might have been, and it, you, it would have given you more John Clad Van Damme for one thing, uh, especially towards the end. You know, he could have been this big mystery, which he was throughout most of the movie. But then give give us a ton of him, like let him go crazy, let him be, you know, 
Island of Dr. Moreau if we need, yeah, if need be. <laughs> and put J- while we're at it, put JCVD in the next, next John Wick. Just put him in more things. I just love his weird old man face. As, that's, that much should be clear. All right, so let's move on here really quick. This is, is going to be an interesting one. Um, the Howard Hawks test. Yeah. Three great scenes and no bad ones. Is this a great movie by your perspective, Simon? From uh, perspective. I mean, I, I'm not going to subject it to the Howard Hawks test. I've I've described it in in I think fair terms. Sure. Um, and but, I think either either it will appeal to you or it won't. No, no, of course. But do you think from from you know by that criteria? Does it meet that criteria for you? For me, yeah, I think so because there's okay. not there's not a single entire scene that I would that I would ditch. There's maybe some aspects I would do differently. Um, I do I do I will agree with Ricky in the sense that I don't think the um, like especially the in the bordello sequence, some of the like sexualized violence is kind of tough to watch. Um, didn't I don't know that it needed to be uh, as 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 uh, as grim as it is, but um, no, there's nothing there's nothing I would outright excise. Uh, Rick, what about you? Do you do you think this passes? Did, was there a scene that stood out to you as particularly bad? Like, because I, I didn't really hear you talk about bad scenes. There were things you didn't like about this movie, but okay. Well, I think that because this movie is direct to video, like it, I actually looked it up. It was direct to video, no theatrical release. It was made to be direct to video. I think instead of it being the Howard Hawks test, it should be like the Frank Henenlotter test. Frank Henenlotter test. I love it. <laughs> That's way better. So, the, the weird thing the question about the question, right? So the question is, the movie has to have three great scenes, like great, like great, like maybe even iconic great, and no bad scenes in order for it to like pass the Howard Hawks test, which a lot of people also say is a Jean-Luc Godard test. But anyways, but the weird thing about this film is, like, if you're a fan of this movie, you might not think that the movie has a bad scene. Because it's also similar. Yeah, it's it's very much of a piece. Yes, but but the problem with the film is I really do think the lighting is terrible, and I do think the script is is terrible, like like terrible. So as good as the fight scenes are in my eyes, and as much as I like to see Dolph and JCVD on screen, especially in the same movie, I can't say it has three great scenes and no bad scenes. But I also can't specify what the bad scenes are and what stops specific scenes from being great so maybe it's because i won't say it's great because when you compare it to movies like the raid and you understand that they use a lot of cgi and the blood looks fake etc etc and even the one take is done in post-production i don't think that makes any of those scenes great and in terms of like bad scenes i think maybe you're right simon if i had to just pick like gun to my head pick one scene it's it's the scene when he starts killing all of the sex workers the call girls um, who are completely nude for no reason, just getting shot by like a massive shotgun. Like I just, I don't know. I thought it was unnecessary because it's not just one girl. It's like I think like five. Yeah, I mean, he's girls. killing everyone. They just happen to be in the way. But it's not he nice. Like, on it. it's... it's kind of the first big action scene in the movie. That's true. Um, it's and it's it, that first act is also kind of unusual because um, our our ostensible action hero is like crippled for a lot of it like he's 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 bedridden and then he's using a he's using a cane for much of the of of the first act um, which also is very disorienting yeah for a universal soldier movie it does take a while before we actually get an action scene 
Yeah, definitely. It, it doesn't start off like a normal. That, that's why I think Simon's uh, estimation of this is a sort of a, a action horror movie is more appropriate because it, it has that tone to it. There's no question about that. Like, there's more of a build than you get with most action movies these days. Uh, they didn't feel like that. I don't think they felt like they had to hit specific action beats. No, I mean, it, it definitely felt like, you know, I think a lot of people working in this genre, the DTV action stuff, they, they're following a playbook and he just decided to throw out the fucking playbook on this one. He just, he went, he went wild with it. Yeah, it doesn't, it definitely doesn't feel formulaic. That's no. the one thing, Simon, I wouldn't accuse yes! it of. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't answer the Howard Hawks scene because for me, it's like, could I find, you know, for me, it's like, does it pass the, what did I say? The, not the Roger Corman, the Ed Wood, the Ed Wood test of <laughs> three horrible scenes and no good ones. Um, and I might say yes on that. Although, again, that, that opening scene might disqualify it from winning the Ed Wood test. Uh, all right. This is we, we you alluded to this franchise possibly going on a little bit, but is there a future? Do you think that this did this movie sort of resurrect Simon? Maybe you or and Rick, you guys both sort of dove into the history of this movie. Did this sort of resurrect the Universal Soldier franchise a little bit, or at least uh, not resurrect it, but uh, amp it up a little bit? Did this give it any sort of energy or life? Because this movie was made a while ago, and we haven't had another one. To be honest, I kind of think that this movie's legacy has nothing to do with the Universal Soldier series. Like, okay. it's it's kind of an interesting capper, I guess, if that's what it ends up being. But I think many people who come, who, like, read, I don't know, Ignaty Vishnevetsky or whatever, uh, waxing lyrical about this movie, probably don't care that much about the Universal Soldier series. In fact, I would say that art house fans... And people who are sort of more in interested in the outer edges of genres, uh, genre filmmaking will probably have a better and easier time getting on this movie's wavelength than someone who's coming from a DTV action background. Mm -hmm. Which is weird because he obviously made the, the Universal Soldier right before that. He sure did. And them being so different. Have you read anything, uh, any interviews with him that explain why he decided to? Uh, I have not seen Regeneration, so I don't know what that's like. But Rick, you say you like that one a lot more. It's got a different attitude, apparently. Well, it's Regeneration's more of a, like I said, like like a, like a straightforward action film. Uh, reading interviews with with John Hyams, and he's quite uh, he's quite eloquent, by the way, and he talks a lot about his many uh, many influences. Um, he just really seemed to be interested in following the following this world it not necessarily in a dark direction but in a way like okay well if this was if this was real if this insane impossible shit was real what would the what would the real real life implications feel like and i think he kind of took that and ran with it um is the impression i get from the interviews and it's also the impression i get from watching the film mm -hmm. okay for better or worse yeah sure uh <laughs> exactly it all depends on how you look at it. Um, I I recommend anybody check it out because if this movie is such a diamond in the rough to so many people, which it appears like it kind of is, not that it was a massive hit or anything like that, but clearly there are people that, that really like this movie. That's reason enough for anybody who's even slightly curious to check it out because you may discover something Absolutely. that you would have never otherwise seen. And that's what I like doing this podcast for because th this movie wasn't a hit for me. 
But we have, like, I, I have discovered movies that I've really, really liked that I would have never seen in the past. Like The Exorcist 3. Rick Rick wanted to see that movie, and I could not understand why. It just seemed ridiculous <laughs> to me. And it turned into one of my favorite horror movies. That's a movie that I now rewatch on occasion. If I happen to see it pop up on Amazon Prime, like, it's hard for me not to start rewatching it again. Um, stuff like that. So you just never know what you're going to discover. And, yeah, well, this movie has enough supporters behind it that anybody should definitely check it out if they're even a teeny bit curious. We got to wrap um, up, but I just want to end by saying this movie came out at a time when we had a wave of movies, which were very similar, like the guest or your next, which had a very different color palette and different lighting scheme and used a lot of strobe and were inspired by like the Gasper Noe's of the world. And they try to mix the art house with action and or horror and or all three and I think at the time, like a lot of people wanted to see something new and different and refreshing and not generic, like Simon said, in their action movies. And I think that's why it spoke to a lot of people back in 2012, I think it was released. Um, now watching it in 2021, it didn't have the same effect. Because I remember watching this movie, Simon, way back when we received mm. a screener and I was kind of blown away. But I was blown away because I received a screener for a movie that I thought was going to be absolute garbage. And just a generic, like, straight-up action movie, no different than the previous films, and is completely different, especially tonally, like we've said throughout the entire podcast. In 2021, though, it didn't have the same sort of, like, effect on me. Mm-hmm. And so I just found myself sitting there enjoying the action, but that's about it. So I would be interested to know if someone watches this movie for the first time, and it's not Patrick, because clearly Patrick hates it, if they can actually enjoy it the same way we did back in 2012. Or is it sort of like been done so much since 2012 that it no longer feels special? I mean, for what it's worth, I've I watched it in around 2012 and I watched it now and I I don't I mean, yes, there's lots of movies fucking with the formula, but still none of them feel like this movie to me. It still feels like a sort of a genre of one. I, I, of all the movies that we've done, I really hope that somebody writes in or, or messages about Hell this yes. I, I want to know what people think. This might be the most divided well, the three of us have ever been on a movie. That, that's sort I mean, of why I picked it, because I knew it was going to be, I knew it was going to break some brains. <laughs> yeah, this, the, I think we all have three very dis, uh, yeah, disparate for sure. points of view on this. Uh, yeah, so if you do end up watching this movie, anybody out there, for the first time, God, I want to hear what you have to say about this movie. Because uh, I find it fascinating. I, I love the idea of B-movies. I'm a big lover of B-movies. So it, it was unfortunate for me to not really get into this one. But I love the concept. Uh, I love them becoming uh, big hits. So if somebody does really love this, I, I want to hear about it. Uh, I'm just interested into that sort of thing. All right. We should wrap things up. Simon, you're not online still. Nope. I'm not online still, but Rick is online, and so is the podcast, and so is Goombastomp.com. You can find the podcast over at SortedCinema.com. You can find the archive, all the links to where you can listen to the podcast, which includes iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, you name it. And the Twitter handle is SortedCinema. Give us a shout-out if you can. Or give us a review on iTunes if you get a chance. Hey, Patrick, uh, we are, we doing, are we doing Babe 2 next week? We are doing Babe 2 yes. King of the City next week. Nice. <laughs> Uh, for me, one of the the creepiest, tonally weird, bizarre kids movies that's ever been made. Babe I'm excited. Movies. I haven't seen it since it came out. I, I I'm curious. I love this movie. Uh, I think it's a. I think it's intense, and uh, it's a, still an intense experience for me. 
I think I'll probably shed a few tears over Babe Pig in the City when I watch <laughs> it this week. <laughs> All right, until then, uh, we will see you later.